Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. First Kings chapter 3 and verse 16. Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, O my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. And I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered that this woman was delivered also. And we were together and there was no stranger with us in the house. Save we two in the house. She's trying to make a pretty picture to Solomon. She's trying to let him know, hey, there wasn't nobody else here. There wasn't no creepers in the back room. It was her and I and nobody else. So I know what's going on here. That's what she's trying to do. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while thine handmaiden slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I arose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, behold, it was not my son. Amen. I'm glad to know that there's a mother out there that when she began to look at the considerations, when she began to look at the characteristics of this boy, she began to realize that it wasn't that thing that was birthed from her. Amen. She said, this ain't my baby. This ain't my child that I did bear. And the other woman said, nay, but the living is my son and the dead is thy son. The living is thy son and the dead is mine. Thus they spake before the king. Then saith the king, the one saith, this is my son that liveth and thy son is dead. The other say, nay, but thy son is dead and my son is living. You can see the little monogamous thing going on, an argument between the king. Amen. So the king says, I'll put it into it. He said, bring me a sword. And they brought a sword before the king. And the king said, divide the living child in two and give half to the one and half to the other. Then spake the woman whose the living child was unto the king. For her bowels did yearn upon her son. And she said, oh my Lord, give her the living child and in no wise slay it. But the other mother said, let it be neither mine nor thine, but divide it in half. Then the king answered and said, Give her the living child and no wise slay it. She is the mother thereof. Amen. Lay your Bibles beside you. Lift your hands once again and begin to call on God. Lord, we've come here once again, God, to lift up your hands. God, to praise your holy name, God. We feel your spirit in this place, God. God, but now I'm asking you to touch my heart, my mind, my soul, God. God, that I can deliver the word that you have given me, God. God, that we could sell out to you today, God. God, that we would not live with a half-hearted exercise of faith, God, but we would give it everything that you've got, God. I give it to you in the name of the Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. I want to talk tonight, today on the subject, half is not enough. Half is not enough. Amen. If I could look at this story from maybe a different perspective than you may have looked at before. You see, here are two women who have given birth to two sons. They had been staying with each other and, and apparently one mother falls asleep and she rolls over in the night and she kills her child by accident, I believe. I don't believe it was on purpose. I believe it was accident, amen. Yeah. 
And then as the other mother is asleep, she tries to take her dead child and replace it with her living child. Amen. That's why I come here to tell you today, amen, that it's time to be awake and it's time to be vigilant. Amen. There is no time for sleeping because there's somebody out there trying to steal the thing that has been birthed inside of us. Amen. But we've got to recognize the characteristics of what's been born. Amen. Hallelujah. So the story goes on of the living mother of the child realized that something happened. And she says, hey, I'm going to take this to Solomon. I'll take this to the all-wise king, amen, because I know that he can take care of the situation. Ain't you glad for a king that we can take our problems to, amen, who can always divide right from wrong, amen? Hallelujah. But both of these women were on the same track, amen. Both were going in the same direction. Both were harlots. Both had given birth to sons. Amen. They both had felt the birthing process. They, they knew what it was like to bring those boys into the world. Amen. These women are much like you and I today. We know what it's like to be filled with the Holy Ghost. We know what it's like to have something birthed down inside of us. Amen. But even though they had shared the same birthing process, somewhere along the line they had to go their two separate ways. Amen. The scripture says that the first mother was careless and she overlaid her child. It said she killed it. Amen. She wasn't cautious with the thing that she birthed. Amen. She had lost some sensitivity to the thing that she had birthed. Amen. Now that bothers me because I've been around some new mothers. Amen. I, I have a couple kids myself. And there's one thing I know about women. They're very sensitive to the thing that God has birthed inside them. Amen. They're not like you and I, Brother Paul. Brother, I grab my boy up at two years old and say, he's good for a few hours and we'll go to the ball field. We'll do something. But a mama don't do that. Amen? Her mama says, uh-uh. Okay, I need a few diapers. I'm going to need a few bottles. She begins to lay out because she's sensitive to the thing that God has birthed in her. Amen? So it bothers me when she says, you know, I don't really care. I don't care. Oh, God, yeah. Because they understand the thing that has been birthed inside of their life needs to be nurtured, amen? It needs to be taken care of. But here we read that this mother kills it immediately, lacking the sensitivity to the situation. Amen? Let me tell you this morning that the Holy Ghost and the things that God has birthed in our life, amen, are very important, amen? It needs to be nurtured, amen? It, it needs to be taken care of, amen? It's got to be planned out daily like a mother plans out her day, amen? It needs to be fed properly, amen? If you don't do these things, it's very easy to kill that thing that God has put in your life, amen? Come on, somebody. I'm telling somebody, we got too many people in the church today with one foot in the altar and one foot out the door, amen? Come on, they're not careful with the thing that God has birthed in their life. Come on, they become in here and they sit on the pew and they become a bench warmer. They begin to sit down there and say, oh, I, I'm gonna kill my relationship with Jesus. Too many people with one foot in the altar and one foot out the door. Oh my God. They're killing their sensitivity. They don't realize what they're doing at the time. You see, I, I'll tell you a story about how, it, how easy it is to kill the sensitivity. I remember as a boy growing up close to Stone Mountain. You may have heard the Great Mountain. People come all over the world. Well, I grew up just a few minutes from it, and we would go there on field trips. And I can remember the very first trip I took there. 
Teachers would say, take a single foul line. Kids, don't get out of the way. It's very dangerous. So we, we take our line and we begin to walk. And I can remember my friends, they'd sneak off to the side. There's ways you could creep through the woods and you could look over the edge. And they'd say, come on, John, let's come over here and let's look at this. No, no, I ain't going over there. Teacher said, don't go over there. I was sensitive to what they said. I knew the danger zones. You see, there's a fence put up over there so you don't go too far. But as time began to pass, as I began to grow, as I become familiar with this mountain, I began to find myself creeping from the center and getting to the edge. And as I got to the edge, I began to lose my sensitivity to the danger of the mountain. Amen. And I began to walk over to the edge. And I began to say, man, that looks awesome down there. Oh, baby, come over here and look at this mountain. I can see the people down there. And she began to say, no, John, you've lost your mind. I'm not going over there. But I began to say, it's okay. Let's go a little closer, go a little farther. You see, that guardrail was put there. For people like me that wants to look and wonder how far they can go. Amen. There's people in the church today. They wonder just how far they can go. Come on, somebody. There's been borders put up there for a reason. We got grandfathers and fathers that have put that there for a reason. They know the danger zone. Come on. Stone Mountain didn't put that thing at at the edge when they know somebody was going to step over and they was going to fall to their death. They didn't put it there. They put it back a little bit. So when they stepped over, because there is some idiot, they're going to try it. They're going to say, I wonder how far I can go. But let me tell you, you can go too far on that mountain. This I know. That you'll get to a place on the other side of that fence. That when you step there, it doesn't matter how bad you want to get back to the top. It doesn't matter how much you want to get back on the other side of that fence. You will reach a place in that destination when the gravel begins to shift and your feet begin to slumber. And all of a sudden you begin to fall and you begin to say, I want back. But you can't get back because you've done reached a point of no return. God, help us not to find ourselves in the house of God at a point of no return. Help us to stay on the right side of the fence. Come on, but if you don't sell out and you live with a half-hearted praise and you live with a half-hearted worship and you sell out half-hearted, you don't realize it. You don't realize it. People with one foot in the altar and one foot out the door, they've killed their relationship with God. They've killed their sensitivity to what God has put in their life. Amen? So when temptation arises, they don't even recognize it. They just do it. Because they've lost their sensitivity to the spirit of what was birthed inside of them in the first place. Amen. They begin to kill their relationship with God. They don't realize it. And it's very simple because they don't feed it properly. They never open their Bibles no more. Amen. They never pray. They're unfaithful to God. And they kill the thing that God has birthed inside of their life. Woo! Hallelujah. They begin to kill the relationship. Well, you're talking an awful lot about a bad mother. Well, I got another mother here. I'm going to tell you about it, man. I got another mother. The other mother, you can only imagine how she must have felt when she awoke in the morning and when she had realized that the thing that she had given birth to had been attempted to have been stolen. And here's where we find our text at. She says, I will take the situation to King Solomon. She brings forth the situation to the king and she's needing his wisdom to help her, amen? Because the Bible says in just a few verses before, God says, Solomon, whatever you want, I will give you. 
He says, God, I don't want riches. I don't want this. I've got all I need, but I want wisdom that I can discern right from wrong. Amen. So God says, because you have asked not for the wealth, I'll give you what you asked for and I'll give you everything else. So we know he is the all-wise king. He's got more knowledge than any other man that's ever lived. What the Bible said. And King Solomon suggests something so, so naive, so childish, so foolish to me. He says, we'll cut the baby in half. Really? Best thing you got. I believe I could have come. I'm a numbskull. I believe I could have come up with cut something in half. Actually, I think I could have probably come up with something better than that. Cut the baby in half. Really? I mean, I'm just trying to, I'm just, you know, I mean, I'm just being human here. Can you imagine what Solomon's wife must have felt? I mean, think about it, Solomon. What if it's your baby on the chopping block? Best thing you can do. Cut the baby in half. I'm just being real with y'all. God, why? Why? Would you allow something to happen? You gave him the wisdom to discern right from wrong. Why? Well, I'll tell you, God began to answer me through prayer some time ago. You see, Solomon was giving them an ultimatum. Who wanted the baby more? Amen. He wanted to know who was willing to take half. Amen. You see, there's a message inside of this question. Because Solomon was asking who wanted it more. Who was willing to just take part and who was willing to let it go the way I said. Amen. And as you can see, the one mother says, oh, just go ahead. Cut the baby in half. Don't let it be mine, but I don't want it to be hers either. If I can't have it, I don't want nobody to have it. Don't we know somebody in the church like that today? If I can't have the blessing, I don't want nobody to have the blessing. Oh, come on. We can't live with no half-hearted ideas like that. We got to sell out. So again, it begins to mess with my mind. He begins to say, God, why? Why would she do this? Because, you know, then again, it's 2012. I'm, I got my, my naive humanity going on, and I'm thinking, you know, I find a $100 bill in the parking lot, and, and, and I say, you come up and say, it's mine. And, and brother over here says, no, it's mine. And I say, well, I got an idea. Cut it in half, and each of you got a piece. What good is that going to do? I mean, Bubba can't take it over at IHOP and eat, and he can't go to Home Depot or buy a new suit or whatever he needs. So what is the purpose of cutting the thing in half? So God said it this way to me. I, I kid you not, I don't take lightly when God speaks to me. He woke me up in the middle of the night and he, he said it's because she was willing to have half. Because it wasn't hers to start with. He said she didn't birth that baby. She didn't know the birthing process. She didn't know the pain. You said, oh, but she had a baby. Yeah, she had a baby. Let me tell you something. My sister-in-law had a baby in 30 minutes. It took my wife two days to break my baby girl in here. Some birthing processes are different, amen? Somebody, she didn't understand the birthing process that it took for that woman to bring that baby in there, amen? So she was willing to steal the relationship between this mother and son because she didn't know the pain. Yeah. She didn't know the agony. She didn't know what it took to bring the child in here. Oh, come on, somebody. Hallelujah. So then I begin to talk to God because now he's really got my attention. Now he's got my attention. I begin to say, God, God, I understand why now that she's willing to steal this. I understand why she's willing to do this. So then my mind begins to think, God, why does my generation, my generation, Brother McGee's generation. 
His generation. I'm sorry, I forgot your name, brother. Sorry, I'm bad. I got. I, got, I need ginkgo too. That's what it is. God revealed it to us. No, I'm Amen. Come on. But why? You know, our generation. Why are we willing to sell for half? Brother, your generation back there, the elder, he's he seen miracle signs. And, wonder, and I've been blessed to see a few. But it was, a, it was an every, everyday occurrence for them. Every time they went to church, my parents would tell me about something happening, some miraculous thing happened. Blind eyes open. Lame walking. And I begin to ask them, God, why don't we see these things? Because the Bible said, if those, these signs shall follow those that believe. And these signs they are given to you are signs of miracles. Amen. These signs of miracles, signs of wonders. It said these things shall follow those that believe. So if I believe in this thing, if I'm really sold out to this Bible, then I ought to be able to lay hands on some sick. They ought to recover. I ought to be able to lay hands on somebody that needs salvation, and God will bring the salvation to them. Amen. So I begin to say, God, why does my generation not want these things? Oh, God. And again, just as clear as, as I'm talking to you, he began to speak to me. He said, son, it's because they've never had nothing birthed inside of them. He said they've been living off of their daddies. They've been living off of their mama's life. They've been living off of their pastor's religion. But they've never had nothing birthed inside of them. They never had what that woman reached down in here back here. When something began to birth inside of her. That birthing process that took a hold. He said they're not willing to receive it because they're not willing to put out. He said if you want to see the miracles, the signs, and the wonders that they had back then, then you're going to have to put in what they put in. You're going to have to pray like they prayed. You're going to have to fast like they fast. You're going to have to hunger after me like they hungered after me. Amen. I, I heard somebody put it on Facebook the other day. They said, it's very ironic, brother. That, that we say, oh, them old preachers, they had no wisdom, they had no knowledge, they didn't have this, they didn't have that. And in the same breath, they say, but why ain't we having church like they used to? I'll tell you why. They didn't have Facebook, they didn't have Twitter, and they didn't have the internet to contract all their mind. And all of a sudden, they begin to pray, they begin to fast. They didn't have nothing else to do, they begin to pray. They begin to seek God, and God begin to open up their mind to revelations. And that's why they have, because they wasn't half-hearted. They sold out. They sold out to this book, amen. Oh, my God, my God. Hallelujah. But the scripture says to another mother, she was never upset about killing her own child. She was emotionless. You can see here, she's willing for the baby to be cut in half. Oh, help me, Lord. Can I tell you, just because you have killed your relationship with God and You've left your first love. Don't try to steal somebody else's experience. Amen. You see, since she had already killed her relationship, it was very easy to next to the person on the pew beside her. It was very easy to try to steal the relationship that they had. Amen. Come on, somebody. Brother McGee, isn't it very ironic? That when somebody loses their first love, amen, and they begin to fall short of God, they begin to try to make everyone around them just as miserable as they are. They try to justify their fall by making somebody else miserable. You see, she didn't birth the child. She didn't realize the pain, the wounds that the other mother had to go through.
So she was willing to steal it and make it her own. But the response of the other mother, the other mother says, her bowels did yearn. Now bowels translated in Hebrew, the word is, and I hope you know Greek scholars, but in Hebrew it says rakam, which by extension means womb. So her womb yearned. And yearned in Hebrew means to contract or be deeply affected with passion. So you see, her womb was deeply affected. It was moved by passion and compassion. The place that gave birth to that child began to cry out. They began to cry out, don't let that thing that has been birthed from me be dead. Don't let it kill that relationship between me and that thing that you birthed, God. So here's my message right here in a nutshell. She tells the king, she says, hey, let her have the baby instead of me because I don't want my baby cut in half. I don't want what I've had killed. I'd rather see somebody else have my blessing than I would to see it dead. Come on, somebody. That's the atmosphere and the mindset we've got to get. I'd rather my brother get a blessing than I would to kill it. My God. You see, for this mother, it was all or nothing. Amen. For this mother, it was going to be half is not enough. She had to have it all or she had to have nothing. Let me tell you something, church. God is expecting the same response from the earth today. It's either all or nothing because half is not going to be enough. Amen. Half is not going to be enough. It's either seek him with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul. It's either seek him with everything you got or don't seek him at all. Oh, preacher, you're being too hard. You're being too crude. I'm just reading the Bible. I'm just reading the Bible. He said, I'd rather you be cold or hot, but because you're lukewarm, I spew you out of my mouth. Basically, he's saying, if you've got a half-hearted mindset, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You've got to love it all. Deuteronomy 6 and 4. I love this scripture. Man, it is the hall, hall of fame for the one God apostolics. I love it. I'm not docking it. First scripture I ever learned. Probably the first scripture you learned. I probably the first one my kids taught. Hey, man, we can, we can throw our Bibles on the coffee table when it comes to Deuteronomy 6 and 4 or Acts 2.38. Hey, man, that's what it comes to, don't it? We've got it down. Oh, God. But sometimes we as the apostolic doctrine fall short of the next verse. It said, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with some of thy heart and with a little of your soul and with whatever might you want to. Oh, that reads a little different. It said, the Lord thy God with all of thy heart and with all of thy soul and with all of thy might. Amen. You see, it's got to be either all or nothing because God is not looking for a half of a response. God isn't looking for a half of a repentant heart. God isn't looking for a half of a baptism. He's looking for somebody to sell out. He's looking for somebody to be buried in his name. Hallelujah. This mother knew it was going to be all or nothing because she was not going to settle for half. Amen. We need to get to the point where we decide that it's all or it's nothing. Hey, man, if you want to start selling for half, that's fine, I guess. But just get out of my way. Get out of the way. Because I'm not going to settle for a half of experience. 
I'm not going to settle for a half of a harvest. Amen. There's a town right here in Mount Carmel that needs to know God. And I don't believe nobody wants to settle for half of a harvest. I believe you don't want a half of a service. You don't want half of a church. But you want a sold out church. You want some the whole city of Mount Carmel to come in the house of God. Amen. It's got to be all or nothing. But don't settle with half. Amen. I want to know him. I want to know all of him. I want to see him. I want to experience him in due dimensions. I don't want just half of the harvest. I want it all. I want every blessing. I want every soul that I come in contact with. I want all of the harvest. Amen. Hallelujah. I want it all because I'm not willing to settle for half. Hallelujah. You know why you see these people come in here like the sister? She prays, she prays. 30, 40 minutes in the baptism pool praying. They come in here and they dance and they shout like your brother right here. It's out here in jukes and jives. Because they realize they don't want half. They've lived for half. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and we began to talk about when God wasn't out where we are right now. And I'll leave it there. But you know, I didn't live half-hearted out there in the world. I didn't live half-hearted. I wanted to be the life of the party. If I went out to dance, and I can't dance, but I didn't care. It whatever, didn't matter to me. I was having fun. I was the life of the party, so I thought. Amen. I said, why do we come in here? You know, we come in here, we, we act a fool out there. And that's okay. We all have done it. But we come into the house of God. God has mercy on us. He brings us into a watery grave, buried in his name. And we come in here and we button our two-piece suit up. And we stand up like politicians and say, I'm so dignified. God has saved me. Thus I cannot move. Come on, somebody. If you got out there and you juked and jived out there, then you ought to be able to come in the house of God and you ought to be able to give God everything you got. You ought to not give Satan some half-hearted praise and come into the house of God and say, I can do that. I can't do half of that. I've got to give it all. I've got to sell out to Jesus. You've got to sell out. You've got to give it all to him. He's got a heart for you. He wants to move for you. But you can't give him a half-hearted sacrifice. You've got to sell out. You've got to sell out. Hallelujah. We've got to be like the other mother. Amen. We've got to let our soul, we've got to let our bowels begin to cry out. Amen. We've got to get passionate about serving God again. We've got to get passionate about prayer lives again. Amen. We've got to get passionate about fasting again. And my God, we've got to get passionate about a lost and dying world that's going to hell. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We can't give half-hearted praise. Half-hearted worship. Amen. But, but if you don't want to sell out and you don't want to give it all. You know, I heard one preacher say, I don't really, you know, don't want to give it all. That's fine. I have no problem leaving you behind. I do have a problem leaving you behind. It breaks my heart to see a person come into the house of God and hear the word of God, feel the atmosphere that we felt today, and then walk out and go to a weak and beggarly world. It breaks my heart. I cry. It messes with my mind. 
but I can't do nothing more for you than what I'm doing right now. I can't do nothing more than give you what God said. It's up to you to sell out. It's up to you to make it all right with God today, amen? I can't do it for you. Your pastor can't do it for you. Your bishop can't do it for you. You've got to make it up in your mind. You've got to make it up in your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But it's easy if we're not careful to begin to lose the sensitivity. It's easy to come in here when you're tired and you're wore out from life to give a half-hearted sacrifice. I believe it's why God said this in, in Luke 17 and 32. Hey Amen. God, God's speaking to the disciples here. And God says these three words right here. Remember Lot's wife. Remember Lot's wife. She don't even have a name. Do you realize that? All the people in the Bible, she don't even have a name. He tells the disciples, I want you to remember her. Not Abraham, not the father of this great nation. Not Moses, the man who brought two million people out of Egypt. Not Elijah, the man that brought fire down from heaven, but Lot's wife. What is it about Lot's wife? I'll tell you what it is about Lot's wife. You see, God had mercy on Lot, his wife, and his family. If it was 2012, you could say it this way. God had mercy on Lot's wife to come into the house of God. Hear a message. The angels come down and minister to them and told them what they needed to do. And then they're on their way. They're on their way to Zor. Promised land's in sight. I can see it. It's right there. I'm on my way. What is it about Lot's wife you want me to remember, God? She's out of the judgment, and she's on her way. She's got her husband. She's got her children. What is it, Lord? I'll tell you what it is. She had her husband. She had her children. But she had left her love. Her heart was still in the Sodom and Gomorrah. Amen. Her heart was buried over in Sodom and Gomorrah, and she began to look back to a weak and beggarly world that she knew. That God had called them out of. God has called us out of a weak and beggarly world not to look back, not to turn around, not to go back. He says, look, I've called you, Peter, out of the fishing of the, of the sea. You're no longer those fishermen. You're no longer this. God has called you out of darkness and to his marvelous light. You are no longer drug addicts. You are no longer whoremongers. You're no longer adulterers. You're no longer fornicators. You are blood-bought Christians of God. Amen. And he's telling you, remember Lot's wife. Don't look back. Don't turn around. Don't go back to the weak and beggarly world. But keep on going forward. Keep going forward. Keep going forward. Revelations 3 and 15. God speaking to the Laodicean church here. He said, I know thy works that thou art neither cold nor hot. I would that thou wert cold or hot, but because thou art lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will spew thee out of my mouth. I'm talking about somebody that's not willing to sell out. Somebody that's not willing to commit. Hey man, that's what's wrong with Lot's wife. She couldn't commit. She couldn't sell out. She had a half-hearted walk with God. Half-hearted walking out on her way to the promised land. 
turned around and missed out on a blessing. Oh, God. I'm telling you right now, church, this is the place where we're at right now in 2012 in the apostolic doctrine. Amen. If we want a true Holy Ghost experience with God, and if we want revival like we've never had before, amen, if we want God to be revealed in us in new ways, if we want to have that old-time revival, then it's got to be all or nothing, amen, because half is not going to be enough, amen. Your insides must begin to yearn for him, amen? You must have, I've got to have all of him, amen? It's got to get deep down inside of your spirit. It's got to get down inside of your soul and say, God, half is not enough for me. I must have all of you or I must have nothing, amen? But I can't have half. I can't have half. Amen. As the musicians are making their way, I'm trying to bring this to a close. Genesis 24 and 12. And for lack of reading, I'll try to set this up for you so you'll understand where we're at here. This is when Isaac is of age and Abraham is wanting to send someone out to get, get him a bride. I believe I got even more revelation to this scripture last night as the pastor was preaching to us. He said, I want you to go down, Eleazar, and I want you to pick out Isaac a bride. And I can just hear Eleazar as he says, why, Abraham? Why don't you just let the boy go with me? He said, I, I may pick him out a blonde and he wants a brunette. I may pick him a brunette. You understand, I know it sounds funny, but I'm just telling you, this is, this is, I'm bringing it to our home. Why don't you just let the boy go pick it out? Now, I had another way I could have brought this, but after hearing Pastor Gill last night, I, I have a feeling... A different reason he probably didn't want him to go down and look at the beautiful eyes who fall in love with something so beautiful and not really get a grasp more of a lust thing than a love thing amen he said if you go down and pick the right one he'll you'll learn to fall in love with that person that'll be there through the thick he'll learn to fall in love with that that woman that you get that's willing to birth things for him in his life. Right, right. Amen. It's easy to look out into the world. Amen. Satan paints a pretty picture to us. He offers the whole world to you. But we heard last night, amen, the cross, the Calvary ain't always pretty. But it's there for us. He loves us unconditionally. Let me read this. He said, O oh Lord God of my master Abraham, I pray thee, send me good speed this day and show kindness unto my master Abraham. He said, Behold, I stand here by the well of water, and the daughters of the men of the city come out to draw water and let it come to pass, that the damsel to whom I shall say, Let down thy pitcher, I pray thee, that I may drink, and she shall say, Drink, and I will give thy camels drink also. Let the same be she that thou hast appointed for thy servant Isaac. Thereby I shall know that thou hast showed kindness unto my master. Okay. We got Eleazar. He's at the well of the water. He's brought the ten camels. He's got it loaded down with all kinds of things for the bride. So the scripture goes on. You know how it reads. It said he goes up and he says, ma'am, can I have some water? She says, sure. I'll give you some water. See, Eleazar knew that she was going to give him some water. That's what was expected at that time. Amen. That's why he said, let the woman that says, I will give thy drink camels, your camels drink also. Right. 
You see, I, I did a little research. Ten camels. And ten camels can hold up to 40 gallons a piece of water. So there's just a possibility, depending on how thirsty they were, that, that Rebecca pulled somewhere about 400 gallons of water out of this well for this guy. You see, it was expected to give Eleazar the drink. It wasn't like these days. It wasn't like you come home and say, get me some water, and, you, and your wife or your, say, get your own water. Can't you see me carrying this pail on my, my head all day long? I've been working just as hard as you have. It wasn't like that, brother. She's been cut off. Has that been that? <laughs> Boy, sometimes. No, never mind. I ain't going there. I'll lose the altar call for sure. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God help me, Jesus. But she said, sir, I'll, I'll give you that drink. But I want to water your camels too. You see, her attitude was so amazing, it wasn't a half-hearted. It wasn't even just selling out to doing what she knew to do. Some of us come to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday. Some of us do that. But we're still not going in the above and beyond. God's looking for somebody that'll go above and beyond, and then some, amen? She said, sir, I'll give you the water, but I'm going to water your camels too. You see, those camels, they represented an old, mangy, ugly situation. But it came a gateway to a phenomenal future to Rebecca. Amen? Instead of despising what God had brought into her life, she began to water it. Come on. I wonder today if God has ever sent an ugly situation in your life. And you just begin to shrug your shoulders up and say, hey, it's not, it's not really my problem. I've done what I'm supposed to do. I've come to church. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do. But God's saying, will you go above and beyond? Can you give me an then some mentality? You see, those camels were loaded down with gold and precious stones. But they were hiding in the ugly, menial thing. Amen? That's what pastor was preaching about. Sometimes it ain't beautiful, the things. But you need to fall in love with the ugly things and allow the ugly things to bring you into a miraculous future. Amen? You see, them camels brought her from just an ordinary, ugly thing into a phenomenal future. She was just weak and beggarly like the people in the world that we were. And then all of a sudden, them camels, that ugly, mangy thing that, that we don't really want to fall in love with because we're afraid we'll have to give up things that we don't want to give up. That ugly thing is standing there and is saying, but if you will just accept it, if you will just feed the water, if you will just give it to me, I will give you a gateway to a phenomenal future. Stand with me. You see, it was hidden and going beyond what was required. Amen. Hallelujah. And as I open up these altars today, I'll tell you this, God is asking. Actually, He's commanding. The same response from you and I today. He's looking for a bride. He's coming back for a bride. Who's sold out. Not half-hearted. There ain't no man goes out looking for a half-hearted bride. Nobody will marry a, a woman. Or give his name to him that says, hey, I'll be your wife Monday through Wednesday. I'll be your wife Monday through Friday, but the weekend's on my own. He's looking for somebody that's going to sell out. Church, I'm telling you, it's time to sell out. Amen? Somebody in here needs to sell out. Somebody needs to make up in your mind today that, hey, I've been living this life of sin, and I've been, I've been even coming to church a little bit here and there, and 
I've been giving some half-hearted praise, but today I, I believe I want to sell out. I believe I want, I want, to, I want to feed, I want to water those, that ugly, menial thing that doesn't seem very important to me right now. But I'm telling you, if you'll sell out, I'm telling you, if you'll give it 110% today, I'm telling you, God will open up a, a gateway to a phenomenal future to you. Amen? Yes. Hallelujah. I'm opening these altars up. I'm opening them up for one and for all. Amen? It's really, it's not about a sinner and it's not about a saint, but it's about a seeker who is seeking for a deeper walk with God. Somebody in here needs to sell out. Somebody needs to make up their mind that today's the last day. I'm not going to live no half-hearted life for God. I'm going to sell out today. Amen. I'm gonna... Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.